Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM WXVW coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 talking all things in the world of sports. I am Kelly Patrick alongside my man Steve Driver. How are you this morning, What's Steve? What's up? What's up, Kelly? Not a whole lot, man. Solid action this weekend in the world of sports from a lot of different angles. I know the theme of our show here is we like to talk about things all across the sports spectrum, whether it be NBA. But we can talk about anything. NFL, college basketball, obviously, when it's relevant, and it is right now. So we will have more of our man Gary Love coming up in the second hour. He'll be doing a phone spot for us and updating us on Kentucky's big loss last night. Yeah. For the local teams, Kentucky has now dropped two straight, one against Tennessee Went against Kansas yesterday, so they're certainly in a, a rough stretch of, of games here lately. Louisville has a big game at 1 o'clock today at the Yum Center against North Carolina State, who has phenom Dennis Smith Jr., who's projected to be a top, you know, maybe top three, top five pick. Who knows? Could be number one. And that's at 1 o'clock today. So college basketball news is always something we will discuss. Once again, our man Gary Love will give us an update, not only on the Kentucky losing streak, but also about college basketball across the national landscape. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM. uh, Do you think he's calmed down or still pretty hot? Based on his timeline, I think he's he's probably still a little hot. I think he had a night to sleep it over. He'll be fine. He'll be okay. Honestly, everybody... what if he calls and you just have to cut him within the first five seconds because he just starts cursing, cursing someone? F bombs left yeah. and right. F this, F you. No, that'd be bad. I'm sure he's fine. It won't happen. We know Gary's Mr. Predictable. He'll give us a rational take. My, I'm obviously a Louisville fan, so this is going to sound biased. And I'd love to hear Gary's take on it. Okay. Yeah. Is if Louisville dropped a couple of big games like that. You wouldn't care at all. I, okay. I would say, well, that's what Rick's teams do. Yeah. They, they have rough rough stretches, and then they rebound from those stretches. All that matters is Rick gets his teams coached up in March. Okay? But if I'm, if I'm trying to be realistic, keep in mind I am a Louisville fan. Yes. That's not Cal's M.O. You you look bad sometimes at this time of the year. Now, don't get me wrong. I do Terrence think... Jones' team and things like that did make a Final Four run yeah. after. So, I mean, he's not – Cal is not a, a bad coach. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. You're just I'm not saying, even saying not... he's. I'm not even saying he's inferior coach to Rick okay. in court, on the court coach. Um, I'm just saying he doesn't – Rick Pitino seems to purposely almost at times thrive on dropping big games during the regular season, knowing – that he's Teflon. Okay. And his team will will bounce back. I don't know that that's quite John Calipari's yeah. MO. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline is 502-384-1450. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call. Get in on the action. Listen, I, I wish that could be my MO is if I lost a bunch of game games in the middle of the season, it could just be, well, he's kind of doing it on purpose. He really didn't lose those games. You think that could be 
a little bit of a cop out just for whenever you well, he's getting his teams ready for March. Yeah. I mean, I I do agree with you. That's kind of been his style, but I think a lot of teams go through rough, rough patches. They do. And, know, and I mean, I'm not saying it's the end UK of the UK is just going through a rough patch, right? Kentucky still has what probably the most talented team in the country. No, no doubt about it. Or one of them. Yeah, you you could say that, but I know it's not his mo to do this. But I mean, if they lost a couple games now and ended up making a Final Four run. You know, that wouldn't surprise me. It's it's not going to be a huge shocker if they have success at the end of the year, and we just forget about this midseason slump. Yeah, at the end of the day, what happens in March? How your team performs in the tournament, conference tournament helps, but ultimately, everyone knows around here we are evaluated on Final Four appearances in national championships. That is what matters. So I'm not saying this team is incapable. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which once again is 502-384-1450. We have a caller, Jay. How are you this morning, Jay? What do you have for us? Jay, you there, man? Jay, are you with us? Jay. All right. Jay, if you're listening, give us a call back. He said he... He said he wanted to comment on the quality of opponents. I don't know exactly what angle he was going to take on that. Uh, you know, ten- Tennessee at Knoxville. Obviously, the loss last night was to a very talented Kansas team. That is true, but uh, but that was the at SEC is not is not looking that deep, is it? I know they have some some solid teams. You know, they'll have some teams ranked year in year out. It's a constant debate. Is is uh, are certain teams in the SEC making it a more a valid conference? I'm. I would say I'm toward the middle. Obviously, ACC is the strongest conference in the country. It's a huge conference. It's a super conference when it comes to basketball. Sixteen teams. Eleven of them are projected to go to the tournament. I mean, it's uh, nobody's expected to compete with that. Okay, so Louisville has the most difficult conference schedule. Kansas was an out-of-conference game last night. Kentucky, because they play in the SEC, to their credit, they do. They schedule difficult out-of-conference opponents. And to their credit, they had Kansas come in, and uh, they did a home-and-home, and so they ended up with a game at Rupp last night. They ended up dwindling it away. I watched a lot of the game. Uh, Kentucky obviously has freakish talent. Seeing, I mean, Fox. Kansas has some great talent, though, too, don't they? Oh, clearly. We're looking at NBA Draft Express, 2017 first-round mock draft. Now, I know that's not the end-all, be-all for what's going to happen in the NBA draft, but Josh Jackson is currently projected at number four. De'Aaron Fox at number six. Malik Monk at number seven. So, I mean, this was a, a, a big game with future pros. Bam! It's 16. So tons of talent. Tons of talent. I um, thought there would be another Kansas All guy. over the floor, yeah. Josh Jackson didn't even, I mean, he had 20 points, 10, 10 rebounds. Yeah, great game, though. Yeah, he did. Um, you're right, I, I was mixing it up there. But Frank Mason Jr., Frank Mason the third at a big game. They just have a lot of talent. Kansas is in a, a, on a short list of teams that are, if there's anyone who's similar to Kentucky, who gets talent yeah. at that level? It's Kansas, Duke, mm. Arizona, Kentucky. Yeah, we've seen it lately with 
Embiid and Wiggins. I mean, seems year after year they just load up and win the Big 12, right? You're baiting me to try to switch to NBA talk with the Wiggins. I, with the, with the, the M- Embiid. Embiid, I mean, yes. Yeah. We'll get there. Right? Yeah, we'll get to some NBA talk. But for the, the, the time being, yeah. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. Give us a call. Get in on the action this morning. Um, Louisville, big game, 1 o'clock today. They're without not only starting point guard Quentin Snyder, but also Tony Hicks. There was some talk that maybe Snyder's going to be making a return soon. It looks like, according to ESPN, no Snyder today. Uh, Louisville's going to have their hands full. Um, and this is the type game where, you know, the NC State is no, no Kansas. They're 14-7. and seven. 11th in the ACC. <laughs> but I will make the argument Louisville could lose today and it's much less catastrophic than Kentucky losing to Kansas yeah. at home yesterday. I don't know why. You know, I'm not saying it's rational necessarily. Lot, yeah. no. But uh, obviously the compounded the compounding of the two consecutive losses for Kentucky, that matters. So we got to take that into consideration. Um, but 11th in the ACC. Speaking of the ACC, have you seen what Josh Pastner, and I know he's your favorite, isn't he? Steve? Yes. Why is he your favorite? Tell our listeners. I think he just, uh, he's been recorded and reported to say some crazy things. And you're, you're a big advocate of saying crazy things. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the extent of, of everything. But, but he has said, but I think he said some pretty stupid things. In this day and age of social media, there's constantly memes being made about everything. My favorite thing, this is a different topic, my favorite thing about memes is I think about 75% of them have grammatical errors or spelling errors. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Why is that? So the people who make all these memes are uneducated? But back to, to Georgia Tech. Have they been hot lately? They, they knocked off number six, FSU, 78 to 56, beat them handily. And then yesterday, 62 60 <laughs> over Notre Dame. So many thought Josh Passner and this Georgia Tech team were not only going to struggle this year, his first year in the ACC who once again, I said, is the deepest, most difficult conference out there. But many thought they were going to struggle to even get a win or a couple wins in conference. I mean, this was this is very unprecedented. Now, keep in mind, they are 13-8. and eight. It's not as if they're completely lighting the world on fire, but they just knocked off a couple very legitimate ranked teams. So, Josh Passner certainly performing with his Georgia Tech uh, team to exceed expectations for this season. Once again, college basketball talk, bread and butter for this market. We do not shy away from it. Gary Love will be on with us at the 10 o'clock hour to give us an update, not only on Kentucky's loss yesterday uh, and the extent of how many Kentucky fans are taking this loss. Uh, I'm on social media. Steve, you and I are both on Twitter. Yep. Um, at the Kelly Patrick, Steve, we got our, our shows 
page, which is at WSB1450, if anybody wants to give us a listen. But many Kentucky fans are taking this very serious. Yeah, it's uh, many people that I know, social media. even big homers, people are constantly defending Cal. I've seen them turn. Now, that's an emotional fan base, right? Yeah. Any big fan base, you're an Ohio State fan, there's plenty of emotional oh, yeah. people threatening oh, Kirk yeah. Herbstreet's life, stuff like that. Absolutely. It happens at all the big passionate fan bases. But since the loss last night, I've seen some diehard homers turn on Cal and, and question his entire approach to coaching. And, and uh, you don't need to put so many guys in the NBA, Cal. And I'm not going to try to do, because that's the meaning, Steve. I don't do that. Yeah. I'm not going to do the Southern accent and the, I'm not going to mock Kentucky fans. But they were upset. They were upset since last night. And I'm curious you know, to know if, if our listeners, who ask, I know we have many Kentucky yeah. fan listeners, what are your thoughts on this loss? Is this reflective of Cal's overall approach to coaching and recruiting that is not consistent with what you want as a Kentucky basketball fan from your program? What do you – I'm sorry, I couldn't, the mic went out for a second. What did you say? What was the question? My question is, are Kentucky fans losing in a little bit? Is this, is this a, a reflection of Cal focusing too much on putting players into the NBA? I'm not, I'm, I'm not that one to say. Um, it's just an, a passionate fan base. I mean, there's going to be people that overreact with those huge fan bases. Um, I think the, the smart fans are, you know, not overreacting too much. Mm-hmm. It's just, I certainly it's a don't hot think, topic. You know? I certainly don't think they're. I mean, they're they're, they're healthy. They, you know, De'Aaron Fox looked good last night. Yeah, I saw a couple of his early plays. Very athletic. I mean, they they've got all the talent in the world. Maybe not the deepest bench, but I look forward to hearing from our man Gary Love at ten o'clock with the yeah. update. We're gonna head to a break. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the weekend sports buzz. As always, give us a call on the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line, which is 502-384-1450. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 and 96.1 FM. Once again, we are the only locally owned sports radio station in the city of Louisville in the southern Indiana market. Broadcast live locally on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM. So we have a very extensive reach with our signal between the two stations. We get to talk about whatever we want to. We answer to one man. And that is Dugan Ryan. Um, we we are sports fans locally. College basketball is a, a hot button topic at all times, but we follow all sports across the country. Steve, my question to you: Yes, is what has piqued your interest in the world of sports this weekend? 
man there's a ton we could we could hop on anything um you know the NBA's in midseason form. There's some big games this weekend. There's a big game today: the Thunder at the Cavs. So that should be fun to watch. Um, I'll I'll be at a at a kid's birthday party, so I don't know how much of that I'll get to watch. But you got to get hammered at a kid's birthday party. That's what I. You're going to be drinking, aren't you? I, man, I've always said that. You're the only other person I've heard say that. Call me old fashioned, but if you're not drinking at a kid's birthday party, really? <laughs> yeah. You're not doing anything. You're not living. You're not. Doing, um, you're not living. You know, Mayweather and McGregor had some talks. Um, we saw Federer, Nadal, um, okay, Venus, Serena. All right, let's back up there for just a moment. Okay, going too you, fast. Duke, comeback victory over Wake Forest. You want me to keep going? I'll keep going. Sounds like you've got some notes over there. No, I just you know a lot of good sports. We have the Super Bowl next weekend. Suit with the what? The Super Bowl. What is that? Okay, so so Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather is you and I are big boxing fans. We've watched boxing for a long time. Yes, I everybody knows I train Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Every, yeah, everybody yeah. knows that. We're actually going to have a few fighters in for the 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 ten thirty from ten thirty to eleven this morning. Lance Lawrence, Alex Hacker, James London, yeah. a few local fighters to promote Hard Rock's event next Saturday in Shepherdsville. So Sweet. that'll be 10.30 to 11 this morning. So you, obviously we have a fight theme to our, our show at times. Do you think the fight's going to happen between Floyd and, and Connor? <clears throat> you know, it's looking more and more like that. <laughs> you know what? I can't imagine. You remember months ago, it was like, ha, ha, ha. I still think it is. It was a joke. I still think it is. And you have said that. You said you still think it's a joke. I, don't, I would put, I, I'll put $100 on it right now. Shoot, I think you'd be stupid to do that, man. Really? Yes, absolutely. There's way too much money involved for for those guys. If Floyd rematched Manny what? Pacquiao, he would make more money, in my opinion. No way. No. Because this fight, you'd get people from both sides. I think you'd still get the Latino audience that you're thinking about. That no, you, well, you think Fili- Pacquiao. Filipino I audience. mean, yeah, but the whole... Yeah, the I entire mean, country. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, I that. mean... International crowd. Yep. You still think they would? I mean, because we get I still think because we get I- Ireland and England, and they love boxing. I think a lot of that. Yep. Uh, I just a lot of that money that they make on majority of the revenues, pay per view buys. My thing is this: why would why don't these fights happen more? Because they, I agree that they're they're intriguing, and I would certainly pay to watch it. But I don't think it's going to happen because they just these these fights don't happen. Floyd's still the best in Fair the world enough, in yeah. his sport. You got to think it's going to be really hard to get. Floyd's still the best boxer in the world. Okay, nobody can touch him. Now you're changing the subject. You're talking about who would win. Are we uh, talking? No, 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 no. You you think it won't happen because of promoters and no? What I'm saying money, is Connor is, is the biggest draw in MMA right now. Yes. Yeah. Floyd is still the biggest draw in and, boxing, and that's why it won't happen. That's why it won't happen. I'm not talking about who will win because obviously, if it's a boxing match, nobody nobody thinks Connor has a chance. Yeah, but that's. You know that's a different topic. It's We're a different about topic. Who's going to win? Yeah. yeah, I think it can happen. It's a it's a prize because fight. Floyd May- Mayweather knows that it'd be such a huge payday, and Conor McGregor knows he'd have to fight twelve to fifteen times in the UFC to make as much as he would make in this one fight. Think about that. He could fight this fight and just retire. He's good forever. So would it be a fifty fifty split? Or he can fight ten to fifteen times in the UFC and 
eventually make the amount of money that he'd make fighting Floyd Mayweather. Okay. What did you ask me? Would it be a 50-50 split? No. No. Floyd's making more. That's just the way it's going. Floyd will make about 75%. Conor will make about 25%. Yeah. And it'll I, still I think, be clear and clear cut. I think, Conor's biggest payday ever. Yeah, absolutely. I think Conor has like a bottom line. He, You've seen Dana White offer him $25 million. You know that's not going to work because they offered Floyd $25 million with it. Floyd, no, he's smarter than that. He's, he knows he's going to make majority of the money. He'd be stupid to take that deal. But um, Floyd offered McGregor $15 million and and McGregor didn't make that. He wants more of the pay-per-view revenue. I think once that number gets a little higher and you say to Connor 25, 30 plus pay-per-views that and then Floyd's just making a stupid amount. What do you make versus Pacquiao? $250 million? It's certainly an intriguing topic and I, I'm not denying that it, it intrigues me. I would love to see it. I just still don't think it would happen. Okay. So other other topics out there. Roger Federer, at the ripe old age of 35, won another major last night. Yeah. Thoughts? Man, uh, you saw, if you not... follow me on Twitter, you see I, I tweeted out all-time major winners. Now Roger Federer has 18. Rafael Nadal and Pete Sampras are tied at number two with 14 apiece. Keep in mind... Uh, Djokovic is, has 12, and he's 29 years old. Six years younger than Federer, yeah. So he he could. He could still make a run at it. I don't know that he will. Federer winning at this advanced age of 35 is very unconventional. Yeah. I Almost don't know. unprecedented. Yeah. I don't know a ton about the history of tennis. Kelly, um, I guess it's supposed to be a pretty great match, though. And we saw uh, Venus uh, beat Serena. She's been pretty amazing as well, but... I mean, I don't know what you thought if you even watched them, but I, no, I, I saw some I highlights. Very exciting. I, yeah. I like seeing uh, athletes from other sports, whether it be golf, succeed or do or, or tennis. Yeah. I like seeing uh, them get a little bit of mainstream recognition, and, and that's what yeah. Rafael Nadal is doing right now. And and we'll, and Federer, we'll, yeah. I'm sorry, Federer. Yeah. Nadal's on his heels. Nadal lost, uh, but. Federer, at the age of 35, winning another major is certainly a big story. I like tennis. I don't know a ton about it. It's not my, my go-to sport. But but I I, I like the, the Williams sisters. I like the sport as a whole. Oxmoor, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram. Buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. we got our man Brian the Insider is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Brian? Good morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Doing great. What do you got for us, Brian? Yeah, I agree with you. I watched that tennis this morning. Uh, taped it and just finished watching it. What a what a what a match for the all time Federer and Nadal, uh, two great champions. Thirty uh, five year old Federer beat thirty year old uh, Nadal. That was Federer's eighteenth major, and Nadal sitting on fourteen. Nine of which Nadell's are uh, at the French Open, so that's why they call him the King of the Clay. But wow, what a what a gutsy performance by two great, two of the greatest tennis players ever. But you've got to now put Federer up number one all time. Uh, that's the most majors, and at thirty five, he didn't even play from July until January of this past year because of injuries. So uh, what a gutsy effort, a lot of fun. Hey, I wanted to talk, guys about, you've been hearing me for months now talking about the Pegasus 
uh, world race yesterday, and man, it did not disappoint. Uh, I guess in one respect it did. It was a romp by Arrogate, Bob Baffert's Arrogate, that, has na- that won the Breeders' Cup Classic in a, a real stretch duel with California Chrome. Unfortunately, California Chrome in his last race before going off the stud, uh, looks like he might have chipped, got a bone chip in his knee, and it may have happened before the race started, but he finished well up the track. Very disappointing for California Chrome, but I don't believe he would have caught Arrogate. Arrogate is the, the best horse in training in the world, and maybe, maybe, we'll wait and see, but maybe one of the great all-time horses ever, but um, it went off. What a huge day for horse racing down there at Gulfstream Park, the Pegasus. Uh, it did not disappoint. It had a great card, $40 million wagered uh, for the day, so hats off to Frank Stronich, the owner of uh, Gulfstream Park, to put this race on. Uh, it was a great, innovative idea for horse racing, and uh, it worked. And uh, I don't, we haven't seen the financial numbers come in all the way around. But uh, remember, guys, this was the race that each of the 12 runners, there was 12 spots, each of the ownership had to put up a million bucks each to get into the race. Yeah. But then it, they split the earnings. First place, Arrogate got $7 million. But what they did was they split the profits for the whole day, both on the uh, both on the handle, you know, the Gulfstream gets off the bets, uh, and then they also split the ticket revenue and the concession. So very innovative deal to make it the richest race in the world. They saw a weekend before the Super Bowl, traditionally kind of a dead time, and, and certainly in horse racing. They put it on, and it went great. Hey, Brian, uh, Steve, yeah. Steve Driver here. Uh, you, you called Arrogate last week or maybe two weeks ago. Was that pretty widely known? That that was going to be the winner? Was everybody... No. Oh, really? No, great question, Steve. Okay. No, they both went off as e- even favorites. Chrome got a lot of money, actually, uh, closer towards the rate. Now, Chrome was in the 12-hole, which was traditionally dead. It's like getting, you know, used yeah. to be like getting the far-out post in the Derby. But, no, they both attracted... They were both even money, one-to-one, going into the race, I believe, or at least they were m- moments before it. Uh, Arrogate may have been a slight favor, but a ton of money came in for California Chrome because, I mean, he was just voted Horse of the Year. Uh, so he was two-time Horse of the Year 2014 and 2016, even though Arrogate beat him heads up in the, in the classic. No, it was a real disappointment for the Chromies, which are tons of fans. I mean, they're, they're, they had all kind of people down there with banners, and they're called the Chromies. And they were extremely disappointed. Sad day, swelling on the knee afterwards. Uh, so uh, it doesn't look like anything serious. He's already scheduled to be bred in February in Kentucky, so he'll go right to the breeding shed, probably have a minor surgery done to the knee, uh, but uh, it would have prevented him from racing. It would have been his retirement anyhow. If this had happened a year ago or so, they would have retired him from this, what looks to be a bone chip, but uh, Arrogate, man, and I go back, guys, and watch it. I mean, Mike Smith on Arrogate geared him down, he won by four and a half, could have won by eight, uh, against supposedly the best horses in the world. Great stuff there, Brian. I know you're also a college basketball fan. Thoughts on Kentucky's two-game skid? Yeah, I, I, I watched Cal's uh, press conference after the game. He was remarkably calm and collected. I mean, you know, uh, Cal has really, uh, I think, mellowed a little bit over the years 
at Kentucky. Yeah, I think he, you know, it's a daunting task Cal has. I mean, you know, he gets these five-star recruits in, and they're great players, and they and they have done a remarkable job getting them to the NBA. But man, oh man, I mean, you know, we see it here in Louisville when you get Rick gets a five-star. He ends up saying he sucked and he was no good, and that's why he didn't get a play. I mean, Cal's got to play those guys. Rick puts them on the bench and seasons them, as most programs do. You know, Kansas had a couple seasoned uh, veterans, and it really showed. So it's a tough thing. That's why Cal's only got one title at Kentucky with all that talent. I went to the Pacers-Sacramento game Friday night in Indianapolis, and I watched Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, and just dominate the game. He hit a three-point shot. I mean... I get 26 and 15 or 16. I mean, clearly the best, probably the best player in the four. And then you see John Wall, you know. So they, that class right there, you know, two NBA All-Stars, and they didn't win a title. So it's really tough what Cal's attempting to do. I, I guess the big question that I can't answer that the Kentucky fans would have to is, you know, is, is it worth it? At what point do you, does it become more important to, to hang banners? And I brought it up here. They do have one. I don't think they're going to get number two this year under Cal. Uh, so uh, it's an entirely different approach. Players first. Um, you know, I just wonder how long the players first mentality will go for Kentucky fans that clearly have Kentucky first, as they should. I mean, in my opinion, they should. I mean, if, if Patino was doing that at Louisville, uh, where I had to get used to a new set of players every year. You know, it does help that they win a lot of games, Kentucky, but they're doing it in arguably the worst conference, in my opinion, in that, of the Power Five. So, uh, and that doesn't help them at all because that sets them up for a tough game in the NCAAs. And, and uh, so it's interesting. It's debatable. They got, I tell you one thing I would do immediately if I was Kentucky, I would very much consider playing Diablo. I brought it up to Gary last week on your show. But they've got a, you know, a, potentially a lottery pick that's eligible to play right now that they're not playing. And I'm going to tell you, as I've said many times on this show, I'm not that sold on a few of the players on Kentucky starting five. I think, as I've said before, I think Fox is unbelievable. Uh, Monk is obviously unbelievable. And Bam might be the best big man in the game. Uh, but, man, if you've got a five-star Six, 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 seven player on the bench that could contribute. Put him in. Let him play. Kentucky fans deserve it, in my opinion. Great stuff there from our man Brian, the insider. Brian, before we let you go, anything else you want to chime in on? Kentucky Derby, guys, right around the corner. We got big races coming up. Uh, Tampa's got big races in February. Uh, you know, Gulfstream does. So uh, it's really about to start heating up right now both for the Kentucky Derby and for the Kentucky Oaks. So this is a type of, kind of uh, time of year that I really get excited to try to figure out who's going to be in that starting gate. But it's getting very interested in the Derby trail, guys. Good stuff. We'll keep our eyes peeled. Thank you very much, Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we will talk with you next week. Thanks for having me on. Good stuff there from my man Brian the Insider. Yeah. It's funny with the college basketball talk. How this, this the switch can flip so quickly? Everything's good, and then yeah. and then and then a couple losses. And we're in the heart of it too. We're so in the it's heart of it. So, so, so it's Louisville fans, right? admittedly, and I, I'm not trying to, but Louisville fans trying to say, trying to act like they're unbiased, which I am a Louisville fan. I'm not unbiased. Yeah, and I'm not but trying. 
Are you I, trying to egg him on a little bit? It, it, it seems like I am. I'm just trying to ask questions. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I hate it when Kentucky... My, my yeah, niece, you, do, you do. You do. I do what? You hate it when you I hate it when Kentucky fans I hate it when Kentucky fans do this verbatim. They say, I don't even hate Louisville, but... Okay? Yeah. <laughs> they phrase it like that. And right when you, you hear them say, I don't hate Louisville... Can't but, we just all admit that we hate each other? <laughs> exactly. Right? I kind of hate you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I was looking at... College basketball championships the last fifteen years. There's not last fifteen I mean, years. Okay, this is Connecticut. It, Connecticut, yeah. Sorry, go on. Duke, North Carolina. There's a couple teams that have multiple championships. I, I'm, I know some people might be upset with Cal's r- route, but I mean, let's be honest. He's the top three coach, or the, maybe the and, top, or, or the or behind or the coach best. K, behind coach K, probably. or the best coach K is yeah, currently you're right. having issues. I mean, but. what else? Uh, you're spoiled right now. You're not going to do any better True. than that. When he's gone, it's going to be... And anything beyond is Louisville fans trying to rile the Kentucky fans up. But some Kentucky fans... The reason that I'm even taking the bait on it this morning yeah, is I have people you, I grew up with mm-hmm. who I see on social media who are legitimate UK homers. They've been killing you for the last year and a half or They're so. The best 10 years, my whole life. Yeah. But it's really ramped up in the last two years, I feel like. Yeah. Just because maybe scandals or just oh, yeah, tons yeah, of news. Yeah. There's always of, news. So, and we're not even addressing so, the, yeah. the additional stuff that came out about Louisville this past week, which I don't, admittedly, I don't want to talk about. Okay. <laughs> we can. If, if, no, you, it's if you feel it's necessary, you're the unbiased. You're an Ohio State fan. Um, but yes, there's dirt coming up on the Louisville program, whether it's stealing plays in football or, or uh, prostitutes. Or any any of the salacious Just details, any, yeah, right. which more came out this past week. So once again, it's a very he- heated rivalry. Absolutely. And speaking of, um, I know the caller um, Brian mentioned uh, Demarcus Cousins. Did you see what he did last night? I didn't. And I've been watching him a little bit lately because they've been playing the Cavs. Sorry to switch gears on you so quick. No problem. What do but you got? He had thirty-five and eighteen, and Jeez. it seems that's like seems like that's. Just a casual night for him. He's crazy good. He really is. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of great players in the NBA. This is going to seem like shade, isn't there? There is. I mean, just tons of young talent. Yeah, I've been reading a lot of The Ringer and some of their topics, which is Bill Simmons' newest yeah. website. Okay. And they do a bunch of advanced analytics type research. Cousins and Towns actually, and even Anthony Davis, yeah, are, a- are not as good defensively as many may assume. They're actually. Below average on defense. Joel Embiid is the future of the center position, the big men He's, in basketball. It's really looked that way, yes. When, I mean, he only plays 26 minutes a game, but... But he dominates. He dominates. They lost to the... The, the, the Rockets. The Rockets, but the Rockets are, you know, yeah. about as hot as anybody. And, you know, Embiid playing those minutes, what do you have, 30 or 32 points? Oh, yeah. And, you know... 12, 13 rebounds. Still amazing numbers. Yeah. Getting back on defense. Chase, chase down blocks. I saw a couple of those. I mean, he's there's a lot of young talent that seems like they're over seven feet tall, right? The Greek freak. Porzingis. Towns, even. Anthony also. Davis. You know. And you know what's interesting is so Towns and Embiid both shoot some threes. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of wild? And Cousins, too. I mean, Cousins, yeah. So, so it's, it's a new threes. era. Porzingis shoots threes. Yeah. Porzingis shoots. I saw that one. I think I was with you. I was like, what's 
this guy doing? He's yeah. seven three. Five feet off the uh, five feet behind the NBA three point line of what twenty three feet. So they're a twenty eight footer. Just jacks it up. Just nails a three. And he's seven foot three. So I know that we're not a, an NBA market, but that's it's a very exciting time. Yeah. Meanwhile, we have LeBron James, your boy. Yeah. Who is uh crying to, he, to I, publicly I admit he has been. I, I agree with you there. Cry baby LeBron. I mean, I'm a big that, advocate. That of Le- sounds like the Louisville UK hatred. You know, a lot of a lot of LeBron haters. Sounds like I'm have, trying to have a lot of ammo, right? They have I'm a lot not of a ammo, LeBron hater though. And the LeBron supporters also have a lot of ammo, right? <laughs> I'd say so. Six straight NBA Finals appearance appearances. Yeah, I mean, but he he's taken some heat lately. They've lost a ton of games. You know, in a row, they they beat the Brooklyn Nets the other night. But he was complaining. You know, the Cavs their payroll is the highest in the league, but they have that extra roster spot open. You know, you can you can dress fifteen guys. If you could have one guy, they only have fourteen on the roster to save some money. And LeBron's asking them to pick somebody up, and you know they already have the highest luxury tax. I feel like their GMs, you know, tried to make it work, and LeBron wants some more help to put it into. To update our listeners who have not followed, LeBron has, at about this time last year, LeBron came out and said publicly, basically, I, I don't, David Blatt's not the guy. So the upper. Not publicly, but okay, a behind, lot of people po- think he was behind him getting the boot. People suspect his friend, yes. his open friend, Tyron Lou, getting the job had something to do with the midseason firing of David Blatt. Yeah. Um, so about a year later, he's now coming out. This time publicly, right? Yes. And saying that he's... He needs more help. He needs a point guard. He needs help. And whether yeah. that's him asking for Carmelo... And I think he's done that before, too. Okay. He's asked for help before, yeah. But in his defense, if I'm putting on my LeBron defender hat, I mean, the Warriors went 73-9 and nine last year, and then yeah. they, all they did was add Durant. You're right. I mean, they lost Harrison Barnes and Andrew Bogut, who were pieces. I'd say that's about the only thing in defense that you could probably use, that they're not the best team so, in the so, league, so LeBron, and they're trying to become the best team. It's like politically. If someone just throws the entire kitchen sink at their opponent, it's easy to sit back and go, God, they need to relax. Why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? But if that's their job and their livelihood is... LeBron's legacy is on the line in his eyes. You're right. In his mind, yeah. if he could get, I keep going back to, Deron Williams, the perfect piece to throw in, I think in his mind he thinks that they, they really could knock off this Warriors team because let's, let's yeah. not paint this picture any way than, other than it, what it is. But, it's inevitable. We'll have a rematch of the Cavaliers and the Warriors in the and finals. And he wants to be loaded and ready he wants for to when win. they come to town. So See, it, but, does he come across as a crybaby? Yes. yes. Okay. But Is it in the, the, the spirit of winning another championship? Yes. He needs to realize that they're trying to do everything they can. J.R. Smith had thumb surgery. When he gets back, it's going to be a huge boost. Corver is not all the way integrated into the offense yet. Just give it some time. You think they have to, enough to be Try Warriors. to play some defense in the regular season to get ready for the postseason. They don't play any defense. He says they need another weapon, but, you know, they give up 124 points a game that are night to the Kings, you know. So I, I feel like there's a lot more, you know, they have the talent. He just needs to be patient. J.R. Smith's going to be back. Corver's going to be better. Just needs to chill out. 
right? Easy for us to say, in my opinion, but yeah. I guess if my legacy is on the line. Yeah, if it's you who's going to be evaluated by getting back to the finals and winning again. Because he wants to go down as the greatest player ever. Yeah. He's making no bones about it. This solidifies. That's his intentions. This is going to be a great... Um, I think it if is. If they meet up again, this exactly. will probably, you know, we look back through the 90s and the early 2000s, you know. No rivalries so, like this? No, but there, there were some good ones, and you remember those good ones, you know. This is probably going to go up there as one of the better ones when we look back. Already, right? Yeah, it's been great. I think so. Yeah. The fact they came down from 3-1. Yeah, absolutely. Against the 73-9 and team. All right, let's, let's, let's sh- shift gears here. Okay. A week from today, there's a football game that will be played. Yes. What is on the line with this? You're We're right. talking legacies? Yes. We're talking legacies. <clears throat> what yep. is Tom Brady thinking right now? And what is, more importantly, I hate to focus on the quarterbacks, what is Matt Ryan? What's on the line for him? Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's more pressure on Brady, but I've, I've heard so many stats in the last two weeks, it's, it almost seems like he doesn't need anything else for his legacy, right? Brady? <laughs> and Belichick? They're already the greatest ever? They could lose this? I mean, they're going, no tandem has gone to seven Super Bowls before, right? That's just amazing in itself. It's like Federer. They they need this to just make it farther, right? Yeah, I guess but, so. But some people still consider Joe Montana <clears throat> up there and that the Bill Walsh, because Joe, Bill Walsh, what, what happened with the Niners, and correct me if you feel I'm wrong, or 502-384-1450 me if you're wrong, if you feel I'm wrong, Joe Montana and Steve Young split those Super Bowls, basically. Right? Bill Walsh, and that 49ers offense and that team, that defense, the whole nine yards, Norton, everybody, Dion. I mean, everybody they had through there. Yeah. How many Super Bowls did they win? Now, the fact that, that they did it with two different quarterbacks Which, obviously waters yeah. it down. What are you trying to say here? Let me see. But Montana still has – I mean, Montana won some Super Bowls, Right. You think? Do you think Brady needs to one up him? I guess he was only the Super Bowl champ three. I'm, I'm. All right. No, I don't know. I'm trying to compare. Who can we compare Brady to historically? I mean, yeah, you'd probably have to say Joe Montana, I suppose. Joe Montana, but the fact that, the fact that, Steve that, Young, that Steve Young won some. Too. I don't think that hurts um, any. Steve Young I, won three Super Bowls. Montana won four though. It's the same as same as Brady, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so that that but that, he did it in only four chance, only four tries. That's why people think he's he, above and beyond, right? And that's a similar argument to what we hear about Jordan over LeBron. Yeah, that he didn't lose any. But when you carry your team, I don't know. I'm not going to fault. I think more so in football than basketball, a guy getting into that many Super Bowls and losing. You know, so what about the years Montana didn't didn't get to a Super Bowl? Yeah. We, we don't count those because it wasn't considered a Super Bowl loss. It was yeah, it's the same a, as the LeBron. It was considered an NFC Championship loss. Mm-hmm. I think so, that, so there I think will there always were, be the nostalgic people yeah. who make an argument for the older. I do think that they were like a 20-point favorite and lost to the Vikings one year really? in the playoffs, yeah. So, I mean, it's just hard to compare those guys, but... 
I mean, it definitely, if Matt Ryan's not going to get back here, it definitely means a lot for his legacy, right? Oh, my Say goodness. Say if you only get there one time. Like, look at Breeze. Looks like he's probably only going to have played in one Super Bowl in his career, right? Certainly appears that way, despite his personal best efforts. Matt yeah. Ryan is 31 years old. He's right in the heart of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, What about that story? About Alex Mack. Did you see? Did you read it? The Ringer. It, I keep yeah. going back to The Ringer. We might as well be a Bill Simmons promotional show. But Alex Mack, when healthy, is the it, greatest player of all time. Is the center. For, seriously. It, it, did you see the numbers? It, when the Browns had him healthy, they started out one year like six. Their first six games, they were like the best offense in the NFL, and they're like four and they two. They were not the best. No, I swear. It was something crazy. And then Alex Mack gets hurt, and everything falls off. Yeah. When and Ale- now the Falcons get Alex Mack. Yes. And they're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And Jake Thomas, you see the quotes from, from Joe Jake, Thomas, Jake Matthews. I mean, I just oh, okay. mi- I just Jake mixed Matthews. I just mixed his two left tackles. <laughs> um, <laughs> how many people even Joe Thomas has been for the past twelve years, approximately the best left tackle in the NFL. But he's, he's been just stuck. played for the worst team. He's just played with the Cleveland yeah, Browns. I feel so bad for that guy, and then I remember all of the millions of dollars he's made. Yeah. And I quit feeling bad for him. <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. So Jake Matthews is the left tackle for the Falcons, and he has expressed the leadership qualities veteran Alex Mack, the center, has on that offense are absolutely out of this world. He calls he, he he makes adjustments for everybody on the on the offensive line and that that you know, sure Matt Ryan's great. Can't take that away from him. But Alex Mack and Jake Matthews to his defense, that offensive line really is clicking. They're a well bound they have tons of talent everywhere. Did you know they're Devontae this good all Freeman, year? Telvin Coleman, Julio Jones, Taylor Gabriel, another Browns player. Mohamed Sanu, a, a Bengals player, former Bengal, is playing playing well. They're just stacked, man. That's why I think they have a good chance in this game. I really do. It's I, difficult. I think it's going to be one of the be- It could be one of the better Super Bowls we've seen. It's difficult to really pinpoint. You're right with an offense like that when you have Julio Jones, who yeah. at times is compared to maybe only Randy Moss historically. Yeah, they, so mean, you have him spreading the field. So that ch- that changes when he's healthy, when he's on the field, that absolutely changes the entire dynamic of the offense. Fair enough. But in um, contrast to that, the Patriots take away your best option. That's true. That's what their MO has yes. been for years. Malcolm Butler, or, you know, shut you down in a, in a zone. But I do think Atlanta has talent elsewhere. I've seen Julio go down and Matt Ryan still be able to spread the ball. So I, I don't think it's the end. You know, if you shut down Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, game's o- the game was over, right? Pretty much, even if, though D'Angelo Williams is pretty good. You shut down Le'Veon Bell. and it's, Yeah, true. But it seems like that defense is suffocating, but the Falcons have enough weapons to, to compete, I believe. My hypotheses or my narrative that I want to spin – is that the, the offensive linemen, Jake Matthews and Alex Mack and the other guys up front, are underrated. I've, for years I've said Orlando Pace, one of the most dominant offensive players in the history of the NFL. Yeah. And I know you're a Buckeyes fan, so you'll be okay with that. Pandering to the audience here. But I, I think offensive linemen, um, 
I mean, look at the examples oh, yeah. of teams that don't have offensive lines. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying there. Definitely. So to hear Jake, Jake Matthews front that are very good, right? Seeing, seeing the praises of um, the center, Alex Mack. So plenty of storylines going into the final week uh, leading up to Super Bowl Sunday. What are your plans for Super Bowl? Just going to watch it at home? You know, I probably will. As you know, I, I get up pretty early for work around uh, 5 o'clock. So I'll probably stay up and watch the whole thing, but go to bed immediately after. Mm-hmm. Probably try not to drink too many beers. All right, let's. Uh, I guess we we have next week to make our predictions. Yeah, we do. We, next week on air, we'll make our our specific predictions for the Super Bowl. Um, other storylines across the world of sports, being that we are a, a national themed sports show. Yeah, WrestleMania is coming up. Is it okay? <laughs> I'm just messing with you. It is, isn't it? <laughs> um, or was the Royal, Royal Rumble was this past week or something? Was it really? So, I don't know. Something like that. Maybe it's tonight. Let's see. Maybe the Royal Rumble's tonight. You don't have to look this up. Okay. But all right. What about college basketball? We talked about one o'clock p.m. today. Dennis Smith Jr. against Louisville. Louisville obviously struggling with a depleted backcourt. Yeah. Who's going to play point guard for them? You've watched Louisville play lately. But, uh, but I've been very impressed with you. You went to a game? Yeah. I don't think I know the roster like the back of my hand like like you do. But, you know, if they lose, at least they have some kind of excuse. You know, Quentin Snyder's not all the way healthy. Nor was Tony Hicks. And Neither of them are playing. These Rick teams, they do this in the middle of the year. Are you, are you sassing me now? No, I'm just... You know, I, there's always multiple ways to look at a situation. It's how you though. spin it, and that's what sports radio is. Yeah. Uh, Ryan McMahon will get added playing time, handling the ball. David Levich, I've seen him bring the ball up the court a little bit at times. How is how is he? Is he a true point guard? No, he's a good shooter, but really? he's all right. He doesn't he, make he, many he's mistakes. He's not a true point guard. He doesn't make many mistakes. Correct. Fair enough. Now, um, Mango, Mango's looking halfway decent, though, here in the past few few games, though, right? Yeah, he really is. Um, this Louisville team, I think most national pundits believe, has national championship-type talent. And, and You think? Louisville? Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think. Okay. I'm not saying they're ahead of Kentucky, despite this recent two-game skid for yeah. Kentucky. They're always going to be in the mix, though. No, they're and they're very long and talented. So be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. To kick things off, we'll talk more college basketball as our man Gary Love will join us at the beginning of the second hour. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 WXVW. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside my man Steve Driver. Coming at you as we do every Sunday from 9 to 11. Talking all things in the world of sports. Once again broadcast here locally on 96.1 FM and 1450 AM. As we promised in the second hour, we're going to talk some college basketball with our college basketball guru, Gary Love, to get things kicked off. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We have our man Gary Love. How are you this morning, Gary? I'm doing good. How y'all doing today? Good, man. Doing great. How you feeling, Gary? Are you upset? Uh, I had I had about eight hours to sleep on it. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, our man Gary Love. Our college basketball guru for the the weekend sports buzz, Gary. Kentucky lost not only to Tennessee but also to Kansas. What do you attribute those losses to? Uh, mostly mostly defense. I mean, they're they're giving up straight line drive every time down the court. So I mean, like the Tennessee loss. I mean, granted. It's a it's a rivalry game. I don't know if it's much of a rivalry game for UK as it is Tennessee, but you know you go on the road and shoot twenty five percent from the threes and forty one percent from the field. You're not going to be too many teams like it anyway. Okay. Now I was describing earlier that with Rick Pitino in my Louisville Cardinals, if we drop a couple games consecutively in the middle of the season, it's not the end of the world. And that, that I, I can spin it, at least justify it to myself. Everything will be okay. We're still talented, relatively healthy. Moving forward, everything will be okay. Is, is there a similar sentiment among the Kentucky fan base after a rough couple losses? Uh, well, you don't want to drop two games in a row. I mean, they dropped two games in a row last year, and it was the same two teams, Tennessee and Kansas. So, I mean, yeah, I have I, I believe in them, but I just think they they've got some stuff to get. They got to straighten up. I mean, they've got to they've got to get defense intact, and they've got they've got to start feeding. Bam had seven shots yesterday. Yeah, he needs more. And, he and needs more Kansas looks. Had, yeah, yeah, he needed more looks. But there at the end of the game, you almost had to giving it to him because he was four out of ten from free throw line. Oh, fair enough. Now, what about Monk? Does he need? He had thirteen shots. He started five for five. He ended one for for eight. Does he need more looks as well? Absolutely. I mean, this guy's shooting forty percent from the three point line, sixty percent from two, and you go literally twelve to thirteen minutes without even giving him the ball. Thirteen minutes. Wow. Yes, they he didn't he didn't score from with eight minutes to go in the first half. Until like twelve or eleven or twelve minutes ago in the second half. Wow, you just can't have that. Yeah, and what about I? I, I saw you know Briscoe's taking some heat, and I saw on Twitter you were you were sticking up for him. Has he been playing pretty well? Well, I mean, what hurt him? They 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 got up by twelve yesterday. He picked up his second foul, and the offense just. I mean, he 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 what? He's the common force for that team. I mean, he ended up playing 26, he played 26 minutes, 12 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. So I think that's a pretty good game. 
It is. Now, Gary, some of the, the people I've seen on social media, Kentucky fans, have really taken this loss pretty roughly. And, and I've even seen some people questioning uh, Cal's approach. Uh, you know, obviously he brings in the best talent in the country each and every year. Um, what are your thoughts on those? T- I know that you're familiar with the criticisms I'm referring to. What are your thoughts on that? What do, what do you think of Cal this morning? Same thing I thought about him yesterday before the game. I mean, you don't want to lose a game like this at home. When you know when you know you have the inside edge on this team, you had them in foul trouble, and you and you set up for jump shots. Mm-hmm. When you have a team on the ropes like that, you got to drive it to the basket and create contact. But as far as Cal's coaching, I mean the guy the guy has won eighty four percent of his games here, four final fours in seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean what I mean what else can you ask for? I agree with you, Gary. Four final fours in seven years is that what you just said? Yes. Wow. That, <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but but if we're being realistic, anybody who complains about that is foolish, right? Just just look for something to complain about. I mean. Yeah, he, he probably should have one or two more titles, but the 38-0 team had to go up against the best best offensive team in the last 25 years in basketball. I mean, you're going to lose them. It, 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 it's random. It's a random tournament. It's not a best of three. The team that beats you only has to play good 40 minutes. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, so so what 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 are your thoughts about? Obviously, you need to get Bam more touches. He's been hot lately, and it, it didn't seem that they really fed him enough, at least in the right position yesterday. Any other tactical strategy adjustments you want to see from this team going forward? Because we all know all that matters is how you that you get to March. You're able to play in the tournament and you have a, a relatively good draw, and you get to have a chance to make it to another of those very coveted Final Fours, over the course of the next month or so, what do you want to see from this team, Gary? Uh, toughness. They need to get tougher, and they need to figure out how to run a half-court offense. I mean, the last two games, they've, they've been under double digits in a fast-break point. And this was the, that's what this team thrives on. So, I mean... Kansas went into their they went into their triangle and two and two three zone yesterday and UK just the ball stalled. So they've got to, they've got to figure out the team the teams have figured out the last two games the way you beat this team is you slow them down. Gary, are are you reconsidering your position on playing Diallo? No, he's not ready. Okay. I mean, Cal, Cal said when he got on campus, if, if the kid wants to play, he'll play. But he's, he's not ready. He's been on campus for two weeks. I don't care what kind of talent you have. I mean, you're going up against guys that's been there nine and ten months now. Once again, Gary Love, our, our college basketball guru. Follow him on Twitter at ScoutingU. He covers all college basketball at a a very high level. Obviously, the program of the University of Kentucky is his specialty. But, Gary, we really appreciate your insight each and every week. We we look forward to you being a continued contributor with the show. 
and you have a great rest of your weekend, Gary. Thank you very much. All right, I appreciate, appreciate you having me on. I'll see you, I'll talk to you all next week. Thanks a lot, Gary. Good stuff there, man. Gary yeah. knows his stuff. I, I like his rational approach, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he how, do, how do you feel about Cal the same way I did before? No, I, and I had that's a question I had kind of had asked. Yeah, true, but it was it was a good answer as well, right? Yeah, I mean, what's funny to me is some of the people that I grew up with that I know that I see on social media that uh, specifically are <laughs> homers, homers, and then the morning after a loss like that, yeah. They're saying Cal focuses too much on putting guys in the NBA. Um, but you the, know, the we, biggest, we need to worry about yeah. us. What 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 Gary just pointed out is they made four <laughs> Final Fours in seven years. Yeah, so I, I I call me ignorant. I hadn't heard it phrased like that. <laughs> if you complain about that, I'm sorry, you're a fool. Yeah, you're right. The in, the biggest t- takeaway that I got from that call is he's not going to question the coaching staff, or what they've done in the past. But he does see some questions with his, with his team, it seems like, you know, the way they run their offense. And if you shut them down on the fast break, it seems like, you know, you have a really good chance of winning the game. Oh, so there's, there's certainly yeah. holes in this team. They, they were, they were yeah. winning at one point last night comfortably um, early, yeah. and it, it slipped away from Bam them. and Monk need some more shot, some more looks at the – at the rim, right? And it's just difficult. I mean, Johnny Jones or, I mean, the list goes on and on of coaches. We see it at California. We see it at LSU of coaches who have star-studded college rosters. I mean, in legitimate NBA talent all across the roster. Lottery picks. And they don't even make the tournament. That happens. I'm not making that up. So what Cal does on a year, year in, year out basis is very impressive, and and I mean deserves all the credit in the world for because that's difficult. I don't think Rick has said he wouldn't want to have to do that. It's a difficult balancing act. That's the system he has in place, and if he hits a home run this year or next year, then we would end up saying he won two titles in eight or nine years. I mean that's a heck of a run, regardless. So. Uh, and that would be, you know, end up being five or six Final Fours or whatever it yeah. is. So, so um, the University of Kentucky college basketball program seems to be doing well right now, despite the two losses consecutively. Yeah. So just calm down, people. Yeah, everybody can calm down. Five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty is the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz line. Other st- any other storylines that have piqued your interest? I can go on and on about, you know, we we, we get college into basketball, yeah. college um, basketball or James Harden making a legitimate shoot. run at the NBA MVP. Yep, and it seems like the two, you know, arrogant and California Chrome is Russell Westbrook and James Harden right now, right? Wow. Okay. Wow. Rangy there by Steve Driver. And some of these some of these stat lines Harden. P- Harden puts up. Just incredible, aren't they? He had 51, 13, and 13 the other night. <laughs> and you and I were talking on the way here. How crazy is it that all, you know, arguably, arguably the three of the best players in the Western Conference used to play on the same team? Harden, Westbrook, and Durant. Yeah. Now, how, now, how amazing is that? Mike Dutton, that is absolutely amazing. And just couldn't make it Will work. that always be known as the team that, what would they have done if they had stuck it out? 
kind of like Penny and Shaq. What yeah. if Penny didn't get injured? But at the same time, you don't. I don't think you really blame any of them. They all got. I mean, Harden really. He was the broke, sixth man, he wasn't he? He broke out the brand, his brand, you know, he really elevated himself. Probably the smartest thing for him to leave, right? He's in commercials now. It seemed like he, he's been putting up good numbers ever since he's left. But, yeah. but, but the sentiment across the world of basketball is still pretty low on him. Right? Because of some of it, the, the highlight clips. Because there's cameras on you every second you step on that I think court. That, I think that's in his lackadaisical defense. Oh, it certainly has with D'Antoni. D'Antoni says, defense isn't going to be our specialty, guys, but you got to at least try. Don't worry about Don't kill yourself, but you got to try. And, 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 he, and Harden's bought into yeah. that. And then he lets him run point guard as well, right? He lets him run point guard. <laughs> so and as long as he's the best thing for him. Yeah. D'Antoni's the, the point guard whisperer. They're third behind the Warriors and Spurs for best record in the West. I think you're doing pretty well, right? You're one, you know, you're 35 and 15. All right. Golden State Warriors average 118.1 points a game. Number two in the NBA, you guessed it, Houston Rockets at 114.5. Yeah. It's still a... Uh, uh, we both probably think Golden State's the cream of the crop in the West, though, right? Oh, there's no question about it. Some, some within the NBA community think San Antonio is. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on San Antonio? They can they continually it's just a pull... different brand of basketball. You know, I prefer it. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people do. That's why they try to pull for them. But when you have when you have three of the top five or six players in the NBA, I think talent. Talent oversees that type of style that the Spurs have, right? Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, Aldridge and then they have this DeWante Murray, this rookie that's really come out of nowhere. People think he's going to he'll be the next, you know, he's going to how, how Parker and Ginobili came out of nowhere, he's going to be like that. So I think DeWante Murray, 20 years old, 6'5", 170. Yeah. He was drafted by the Spurs with the 29th pick in the first round out of Washington. Washington putting out some studs, probably. They are. And you know, I was watching a prep game the other day on TV, okay. and they have um, two brothers that play high school basketball in Washington that are going to Washington, and one of the guys is like the number two player in the country. So they're about to get a lot more talent, too. And the team they were playing had like the number 45 ranked kid in the country. So they're going to get a lot of... They're starting to get a ton of talent in Washington. Easy to forget about Lorenzo Romar and, and Washington out there when we're in the Midwest. Um, but in in today's day and age of, of specific schools, like I referred to earlier, California, LSU, if you can bring in talent to a school like that, even if you miss the tournament on certain occasions... You're going to keep your job, and you deserve to, I think. I mean, you're bringing in guys who are going to go into the NBA, guys out of Washington to make it in the NBA recently, Duante yeah. Murray. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, right? Yep, Isaiah Thomas, Nate Robinson. Yeah, they've had a ton of talent. Um, Brandon Roy went there, right? Brandon Roy. Um, so that prep game I was watching on TV, he is the head coach the team's it's uh, Nathan Hale is the team, and he's the head coach. 
It's a high school prep team. Wait a second. He's, Bra- Brandon he's, Roy he's, is the head the, coach. Yes. Oh, Brandon Roy is the head coach. Yep. Didn't he have some weird injuries? Oh, yes. And he was he was so good before he destroyed his knee. That's why he had to retire. But uh, he's the head coach there, and they have just a – I think they're the number one team in the country. Markel Fultz is a Washington point guard right now. He's projected by many to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Yeah. Who knows? So the Spurs not only are internationally successful yeah. with, with taking guys and, and cultivating them, maybe letting them stay over in Europe but great at in the draft too, right? You know what? Kawhi Leonard they got in the draft. This is obviously our bread and butter, but do you know what I like? Um, the, the 76ers obviously have... You like them, don't you? Yeah. I think I'm going to go see them play March 26th in Indianapolis. Yeah. But... Um, Guess who their head coach is? Brett Brown. Guess what, what what coaching tree he came out of? Greg Popovich. Really? He was a, a, a assistant with Greg Popovich from 1998. He took a couple years off, but then all the way through 2013. Okay? Since 2013, he's been the head coach of the, the Sixers, but he now has Joel Embiid, who's impacting the game so substantially on both ends of the floor. Yeah, and Brett Brown seems to be the type of guy who's just groomed under Greg Popovich to do something, to, you know, to build something similar in Philly. Yeah, if you have a great big man, look look at the 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 shift Tim Duncan, what he did to the sport of basketball. Yeah, but it went away for that from that for a little bit. What's that? It's because the there was man. there was no really great big men. Yes, but now there there are a couple, right? Yeah, it, it appears so. Anthony Davis. Carl Anthony Towns, DeMarcus Cousins, Joel Embiid. Yes. Uh, you can say some guys like DeAndre Jordan are maybe bet. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're, but they're, this, they're, they're, this is a younger Yeah, a younger but offensively, crop. the way that they impact the game across the board. Joel Embiid is very efficient offensively also. Not yeah. only efficient, because DeAndre Jordan's very efficient. But they just give him the ball and him clear out. Yeah, you don't do that with DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, and uh, what are they going to look like when Ben Simmons... Really gets going. They say he's healthy right now. Yeah, I mean, we saw him a little bit in summer league, and he was just tearing it up. Last 10, the Sixers have won seven out of their last 10. Uh, so they've been hot as of late. You know, Embiid missed a couple games, but Nerland's Noel. Hat goes off to a former Wildcat. He's playing really well also. So much. what? So much of, of big men whether or not they get hurt or they, they have longevity in their career may have to do, well, there's no exact science, but with limiting minutes. And they seem to be doing a good job with that with Joel Embiid. Yep. In large part thanks to the fact that they have not only Neurons Noel, but Okafer. So that's a storyline that has me intrigued. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Sixers fan. I actually stole it from Marcus. Our caller Marcus has got me into the Sixers. And, and the more that you read... Once again, Bill Simmons' website, The Ringer. Yeah. Is that frustrating you that I keep plugging them? Yeah, a little bit. Hey, but not to – I know we're going to have some guests on pretty soon. We are. To, we have, to, we have to, a, to switch topics on you real quick. The bowls are falling apart. Oh, my goodness. Aren't they? It's <laughs> unbelievable. I guess uh, – Rondo's the worst. But No, but Butler, Jimmy Butler and Dwayne Wade went off in the locker room yelling at people. And I guess Rondo <laughs> – what does he put out a? Was it a? 
huge Instagram post or something, just yeah. cashing them. I mean, it was a picture of him, but and I th- Garnett, I, and Pierce. I think the other teammates on the Bulls kind of agreed with him. Okay. All and, I'm uh, saying is this. I'm is, reading this headline right now that younger Bulls want Wade to practice more. <laughs> this is great, isn't it? I guess Wade skips practices. I guess so. Um, it's about to implode, though. Why is Rondo always involved in drama is my question. This is true. I mean, it's not like, well, maybe he's involved in drama. It happened in Kentucky. It ended that ended his tenure with the Celtics. Now, get, don't get me wrong; he's extremely talented, uh, but his his talent is possibly diminishing these days. He's still not an effective jump shooter. Yeah, and it always seems that he's around drama. I'm telling you, man, it's not just well he got into a bad situation. This is like ten teams. Now I'm exaggerating. Let's see how many teams. Yeah, that's a bit much. I got carried away. It well, is funny. I think he had some drama in his high school career too. It, it it is funny to me that in the off season, you know, Wade and Rondo and Butler look like this amazing trio. Trio, and it just shows you you can't build a team like that anymore. Just huge free agents, unless it's Rondo was dropping off. We're in an era LeBron, Durant, or Curry. You know, or one of these big six names, Westbrook, Harden. You're not going to really change a team that much. Do you want Rondo on your Cavs? No. What if they got him for a real good price? I'd take him. Okay. They have an extra roster spot. I know. <laughs> you, you're not worried that he would come in and mess up the, the chemistry? No, not too, not too much. Because he'd have to figure that he's not going to have that big of a role. No. But there's so many great point guards in the NBA these days. I mean, Jeff Teague. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on of, of elite point guards, right? Harden, Westbrook, Isaiah Curry, Thomas. Isaiah Thomas, uh, Lillard. I mean, you can just, and I'm probably, John Wall. I mean, there's a bunch more. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry, and I'm, I'm snubbing many still, right? Yeah. Chris Paul is still no bum. So it'll be interesting. I'm always intrigued in the NBA, and for some reason this year seems to have some added emphasis for me. I know it's going to be the, the Warriors and, and the Cavs as a rematch in the, the finals. Uh, I'm intrigued to see exactly how that goes. We're going to head to a break. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. We're going to have some MMA guests in studio next in promotion of next Saturday's Hard Rock MMA anniversary event in Shepherdsville. Hard Rock MMA, if you've never been to a Hard Rock show, you really need to check it out. It's an organic MMA event where you have a lot of fights. You have you have uh, alcohol is served, and there is family and friends and a bunch of other people in ring in entrance music in authentic, legitimate, really good MMA fights, both amateur and professional. So if you're looking for a, a local, I think the tickets are on sale for thirty five dollars. If you're looking for a way to spend a Saturday night. Kelly Patrick is recommending, and I'm not just saying this, Steve. You go to one of these events, and you will fall in love with it. I absolutely do. Yeah, whenever you have entrance music, I'm already... Seriously? That matters for you? Yep, absolutely. (laughs) It's true. We'll have to ask our our guests. I know we have Lance Lawrence coming in, what his entrance music will be for the main event next Saturday. Yep. So be sure to stay tuned. Steve and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz.
I can, I can hear you. Everybody can hear themselves talking and me and each other. Uh, yeah, I can hear me. Check one. Yeah, I hear me. James. I, I hear me as well. Okay. <coughs> you guys like listening to yourselves? La 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 la. <laughs> I do not. Okay. Super vain. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM, WXVW in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market. Keep in mind, we are the only locally owned sports radio station in the city of Louisville and Southern Indiana market. Coming at you here on the Weekend Sports Buzz as we do every Sunday morning from 9 to 11. Talking all things in the world of sports, that's our MO. We take pride in the fact that we, we cover college basketball, we play the hits, but we're also NBA fans and NFL, and we talk about what we want to. Steve and I happen to be fight fans also. We've actually uh, watched boxing matches uh, ever since we were you know, very young. And so we've always always been fans of fights. I've, I've over the years, over the past few years, turned into um, a little bit more of even an MMA fan than I was originally. We're joined in studio this morning by three MMA fighters. We have... Alex Hacker, James London, and Lance Lawrence. What we're going to do is, uh, it's almost customary. Alex and Lance have been in now, I don't know, three or four times each. And each and every time, what I like to do is a quick rundown and introduction. What I'd like to do is introduce, to start out this morning, James. We have James London in with us. James will be fighting Saturday, February 11th. So not this upcoming Saturday, the following Saturday in Nashville. James... Tell our listeners, well, I should say, before we, we really get into it, do you have any advertisers or, or, or anybody you need to give a shout-out to? Uh, most definitely. i um, like to give a shout-out to all of the coaches that helped me train. Uh, Philip Perkins, uh, Scott Smith, Crew Rock Cruise, um, Abdullah, you know I love you, man, um, as well as my sponsors and those that helped me get ready for every fight. Uh, portion prep for all of my nutritional needs, helping me keep my weight in check. And um, also, Derbyshire Designs. These are the people that's going to be doing my shirts and my shorts for the fight. So without them, I couldn't look good on fight day. So I appreciate you guys. All right. James, you, you mentioned somebody that I'm familiar with, Scott Smith. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about what, what does Scott bring to the table for you? Um, I like to consider Scott like, uh, like the cleanup man. <laughs> you know, I've been doing uh, jujitsu for a while. And um, I felt like I was pretty good. But when I saw Scott... Um, actually, Lance introduced me to him. He said that uh, that I would be a good fit to see what Scott was talking about and what he was working with. And uh, he just he points out those details, man. And if you know me, you know I'm in in love with the details because I really feel that that makes the difference. Now, James, you, you 
Tell our listeners where are you from? How? What was your introduction into the sport of MMA? I know MMA, um, an acronym for mixed martial arts. So many of our listeners are are fans of basketball and football. Uh, they're not not necessarily as familiar with MMA. They they assume they confuse it with UFC and MMA are kind of one and the same at, at certain times. But tell our listeners how you got into fighting. Oh, most definitely. Um, from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um. But I didn't get into fighting until I was in the Army in Memphis, Tennessee, and I put my son into karate, and uh, he suggested that I do it with him, and I did. Wow. And uh, I was really good with the stand-up portion, hence that's why I kicked so much. But the karate school brought in some jiu-jitsu guys, and they completely blew my mind, so I sought them out, and I almost was like a fish in water. I had a real knack for jiu-jitsu. And when they told me that there was a sport where I could put the two together, it kind of just blew my mind, and that was that was my introduction to MMA. It was, uh, I want to say it was 2007, 2008. Uh, my best friend was, was murdered, so I was holding a lot of anger. And uh, I just told my coach, I'm like, I needed a fight. And immediately, like probably within four weeks, I was in the cage against a guy who won his first fight with an eight-second knockout. And uh, <laughs> real funny, he hit me with, this, with the same thing, a spinning back fist, about eight seconds in. And I pop up and... and I hit him with a real naked choke, and the rest is history. I was in love with him and man, the rush of it ever since. That's wild. So it was actually your son getting into the, the karate and the yes. stand-up. Yeah. And you didn't get into it until you were in your, I guess, early 20s at that time. Correct. Correct. I was about 24. So even in the, the Army or anything like that, you didn't have any type of grappling or, or any fight experience, or you were just naturally inclined toward it? Um, I, I had did, I had done taekwondo when I was young. In the army, we did some grappling, but it wasn't enough to me for me to really know what it was. It's it was like training at a yeah. gym as a hobby. Exactly, it's, it's a different. It was it was a week <laughs> that we did. You oh, know. Okay, so that, that's really nothing. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a nickname, James? Um. Yes. Uh, my nickname is the Weapon. It was given to me by um, my coach Chip Baldine when I was back in in Memphis, Tennessee. And the reason why was because I was able to fight from anywhere and finish guys with many different techniques. So, Great. Well, we'll certainly get back to you, James. We appreciate you coming in this morning. Moving on to Alex Hacker. How are you this morning, Alex? What's up? Appreciate you joining us this morning. You were scheduled to be on the, the card for this upcoming Saturday in Shepherdsville at one time. What yeah. happened with that? Yes, sir. Um, I was scheduled, and then I woke up one day and was told that my opponent backed out. This was about two weeks ago. I was told my opponent backed out and uh, said he was retiring or something. I don't know what his deal is. Said he was retiring or something like that? I I guess you want to retire as an amateur and make no money. Do you, I guess. But, yeah, I was told that my guy was retiring from fighting forever and got offered a uh, a replacement fight like way out of left field. And me and my coaches talked about it and decided it was best to just wait until April. Okay. Yeah. Wait until April, maybe a, maybe another Hard Rock show? Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, April 8th, Hard Rock's going to be in Louisville Expo 5. Now, you're somebody who's fought, what is it, tw- two times in Vegas? Yes, sir. So yes. you went to the bright lights of across the country, across the world, seemingly. Yes, sir. And, and fought in Vegas at the fight capital of the world, I guess we'll say. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, thoughts on, on wanting to f- continue to fight? Obviously, you're sticking with Hard Rock. You like it here. Yes, sir. You plan on fighting for Hard Rock indefinitely, maybe doing the pro thing there? 
Uh, well, actually, the last time I fought in Las Vegas, I got offered a pro contract with King of the Cage. They're mainly based out of Las Vegas and California as well. They do other shows throughout the country, but and also in Canada. But uh, I'll probably fight one or two more times as an amateur, and then take King of the Cage up on that professional contract. Uh, they're pretty much saying whenever we're ready, they're ready to have us. Now, I know each and every time we have you in, this is like your fourth time or something like that back in with us. We appreciate you coming in. But it's almost customary. I, I feel like I, I, I want to make sure we do this. Who do you want to give shout-outs to? Who's trained you? Who, who do you attribute your success to as uh, a successful MMA fighter? First and foremost, um, Phil Perkins. He's like, you know, every everyone that trains with him will say he's like your older brother. You know, sometimes he'll get on you about when you're doing stuff wrong that's his job he's he's always gonna say get in and train and i just want to be lazy but he's on me and uh love him like a brother and appreciate all the things he does for me uh my guys lance and james and rock Cruz and uh there's you know there are tons of guys all throughout the state of kentucky that train me but those are the main one main ones now i've been training a little bit with lance at gracie jiu-jitsu of kentucky and he he's mentioned to me just through some casual conversation, Alex is really good at Muay Thai. Uh, I, I mean, it depends on the scale, but I'm okay. Okay. You know. Do you attribute that to, to, to Rock? Absolutely, 100%. It's the only... Tell Rock. us about Rock's credentials as a Muay Thai coach. Oh, uh, Rock started... Uh, he started training in Muay Thai in, like, I want to say the late 80s, early 90s. He has... He has pictures of him in uh, Muay Thai camp with Archon Chai in Oregon in like 1980 when there's only like 50 people there or something, you know. And now if you go to that camp, there's thousands of people there. Uh, he's got – he's uh, certified in like every single form of stand-up that you could think of, like Jeet Kune Duo, even C-Lot, all kinds of stuff. But he's a Kung Crew in Muay Thai, and uh, that's mainly what we train together. Now, this may sound a little controversial, but I don't really care. He's from the Bronx. What is he, Dominican or something? He has some, some, some lineage. Dude, he don't know what he is. He's full of it. I don't, he doesn't know? Is that what you said? <laughs> he tells people he's Puerto Rican, but he's whiter than I am. Okay, so he has some, some Puerto Rican heritage. But yeah. Okay, the picture I'm trying to paint for our listeners is if you see Rock Cruz at, at a fight, he, he looks as authentic of a fight coach. Yeah. Is there? I mean, he's... If there's a movie about a fight, if a new boxing movie is going to come out. Yeah. He looks like Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> he, does. he looks like Adrian? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, no, he looks as authentic. I think sometimes he has a toothpick in his mouth. He's always there at the side yep. of the cage. He, he knows exactly what's going on. He looks like he fits in, in the fight scene. Mm -hmm. so that's Rock Cruz, uh, one of the more, probably the most credible Muay Thai coach around. Yes, sir. If not the most, certainly top two or top three great we'll certainly get back to you alex we're going to go sir. to our man lance lawrence how are you this morning lance what's up good morning appreciate you coming in you are headlining the card this upcoming saturday in shepherdsville yes sir your opponent is from indianapolis yep and you are undefeated as a fighter yep 8-0 as an amateur 2-0 as a pro about to be 3-0 <laughs> about to be 3-0 i love the confidence Refresh our listeners. Tell uh, tell everybody where you're from. Um, I know that we've done it 
so many times, but you're from Louisville. You grew up, you did a little bit of wrestling early. Uh, could you refresh our listeners, please? Uh, I wouldn't even consider actually wrestling. I wrestled for like a week, and then they kicked me off the team. It's oh. wild to me how, how so many of you guys didn't really even wrestle or, or do anything like well, that. You didn't get into it until you're out of high school. Alex wrestled in high school. Okay, Alex did, yeah. And his Blake, wrestling's really Blake good. certainly did. And Blake is a monster wrestler. Monster. But, um, Blake O'Neill, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I, you know, I joined the wrestling team, didn't work out, and then I found jujitsu, and I've been, you know, a solid ground guy ever since. And then whenever it came to the time where I wanted to start doing MMA, I, I found stand up with uh, Judy Millar, who was my first striking coach, and he's still my striking coach and head coach. And then I've had multiple striking coaches since then. I've got Crew Rock Crews working with me on a weekly basis. And uh, that guy, he lives the fight life, man. He's one of the most dedicated coaches there is out there. And um, Abdul Ramanoff has helped me with my boxing game a lot. And uh, mainly Crew Rock Crews and Junior Millar. And uh, those are my striking coaches, yeah. Gotcha. Now, Lance, I know you've got some sponsors. You are a professional fighter. Yes, sir. We have New Age Gifts, Hampton Murphy Insurance, Gotti Fight Gear, 24-7 Motors, Jerry's Classic Metals Body Shop, PortionPrep.com, and Aaron Allen Photography. And I'd be remiss if I didn't also include Dina Robertson, massage therapist. Yes. Dina does great work. Uh, she trains with us at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky. Um, any other sponsors? I know all of the, the people that we mentioned there, they have their own Facebook pages. And any, anyone who's interested, certainly go check them out. Any other sponsors that we need to mention? No, I think that's got it covered. Okay. Uh, now, so we, we have the introductions out of the way. Now for the casual talk portion of the show. Lance, your fight's coming. All right, Alex, what, what's going to happen with Lance's fight next Saturday? Uh, he's going to win by 10-second knockout. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. James, thoughts? that is savage. <laughs> That's a savage. The prediction. last time we were in here, when he was fighting JSP, what I say? Yeah, J- JSP was what four or no? I said Lance is going to choke him out within thirty seconds. It was like twenty three. All right, so so so, so you predicted <laughs> it accurately. Yeah. Uh, um, you had a, a hunch. What what is your hunch about the knockout this time? It, Lance is very legitimate jujitsu ground guy. Um. But I guess you could say he's equally as good with stand up and boxing and kicking and yeah. Yep. Um, what 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 about this makes you think it's going to be an early knockout? Because we've seen Lance knock people out where yep. he doesn't have to go to the ground at all. Because what, what it, makes you think that'll happen Saturday? Because his guys are Golden Gloves and Lance knows that he's better. He knows he's he's good enough to knock out a Golden Gloves. I've, I can feel so it the, in my this heart. This guy's a Golden Gloves bo- boxing champion, so that means yep. Lance. Is better. You meet him in person. Doesn't <laughs> seem competitive, really. Seems like as laid back of a guy as there is. You can be both. You can be both. You just <laughs> flip a switch when you yep, get in the there's cage. There's a switch. <laughs> you get in the cage, and you, you think that Lance's competitive nature yep. will have him saying, "This guy, oh, you're a golden. Gl- Let's see if you're how, what, what that means." <coughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Lance, thoughts? Um, I wouldn't <laughs> say it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> I would not. Bet against it. And, and this guy has to know that you're you're a jujitsu specialist. Great yeah. game. If I were him, that's what I would be. Yeah, that's what for. I think. That's what I expect to see. I expect to see this guy try to to implement his head movement and keep the fight standing. And uh, I I think Alex is spot on. You'll hear Junie shout out shoo shoo bang, and you will see a shoo shoo and then a bang. Yep. And after that, 
usually when last bangs, pee will go down. Okay. <laughs> so. Now, James, your your fight is Saturday. Yes, sir. February 11th. Yes, sir. In Nashville. Yes, sir. What, what do you know about your opponent? Um, You're also a, a professional fighter. The way that I look at uh, what I've seen from my guy, he's a longer kid. Um, definitely likes to try to keep it standing. Likes to, to the jabs and the, the straight line punches, which is is great. It's it's that's more my style. He'll throw some kicks as well, but similar to what what Lance says, I truly feel that I'm more seasoned. I feel I'm better striking than most of the guys I'm gonna face. Um, unlike last fight, I won't just be looking for the knockout. So I I truly expect to go out there and put on a hell of a show, a hell of a MMA performance. Now, you obviously started with striking, but you said you were kind of a fish in water when it came to the jiu-jitsu portion. You, 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 you made a home with the jiu-jitsu side of things, right? Yes, yeah, so I love jiu-jitsu because there are no mistakes. You know, there is no luck. You set it up and, and you get what you work for. Huh. And, and to me, that's the biggest difference. Um, the thing about jiu-jitsu, guys, and you can see it through the career of Damian Maya, like we all tend to get caught up in the whole the striking because it's glamorous the knockouts are glamorous but then we have setbacks i had my setback my, my previous fight and now i'm back to being what i am and that's a complete martial artist so yeah i'll strike but given an opportunity i'll take you down and i'll show you why they say that jujitsu that uh jujitsu is an ocean you know jujitsu is neat and obviously <laughs> I, i'm somebody who's gotten into it lately i i started training in may of last year i had no grappling or anything or any type of combat experience at all. But I started training in May, and I absolutely love it. I get in there as much as I can these days. Obviously, at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky in East Jefferson County, over off Blankenbaker in the J-Town area. But um, for longevity purposes and kind of a neat hobby, it's also something that 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 really lends itself to that. And, and, and you can... You seemingly can do it till you're 60 years old, or you know. I mean, so for the from a, being a uh, uh, an exercise and a hobby, from that perspective, it's cool as hell too. But you guys are all in agreement that in the sport of MMA, it's still very relevant. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Do I sound foolish by even asking that, Lance? No. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. Tell me. No, jujitsu uh, rules. Some people, okay. Some people have thought that at the beginning, the the UFC was set up. By what, Horian? And he, he had these guys, these freak shows come in, Taekwondo specialist and his brother Hoist, um, new jujitsu, and he beat the hell out of them. And that lasted for a while. But it kind of shifts away. It seems to come in, in waves where it goes away from that, maybe a little more striking here and there. You referenced Damian Maya. He's had his share of struggles despite being a, a legitimate black belt. But at the end of the day, it seems that when he, he stays in touch with his jiu-jitsu roots that he has more success yeah exactly and, and that's that's what i was alluding to um like right now the, the meta is if you can say for mma seems to be wrestling okay. just like previously it was jiu-jitsu but what's happening and you can see it is that the the guys that participate are are learning takedown defense just like guys learn submission defense so what you have in damian maya is a fighter who said okay yes i can box and i may be decent at boxing but I've given my life to jujitsu. I've put my 10,000 hours in in jujitsu. So instead of looking for something new, he refined what he was already good at. He refined his jujitsu by adding wrestling to it. And that's, that's what you'll have. You'll have guys, I want to say, you'll have guys going back to kind of like the way it was before, 
where you have specialists, but they'll be versed in everything so that they can apply their specialties. That's the thing is I heard somebody the other day on a podcast I was listening to say Conor McGregor's about a brown belt level uh, jiu-jitsu. I was like, what the hell? I didn't know. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so Absolutely. everybody trains jiu-jitsu, yep. right? Yeah. If you're, if you're interested in the sport of MMA. You, you have do. to. You got no choice. Okay. What, what is the importance of jiu-jitsu? In, in contrast, that you're, you're more experienced in wrestling. Is that right, Alex? Uh, You've been doing it longer. I've been wrestling, yeah. I started wrestling when I was 12. Okay. But you have to train jiu-jitsu. Uh, but you also have to train wrestling. Yes, absolutely. The equal, maybe. You have to train it all. You can't just... If if there's one little hole in your game, it's going to show immediately. Because, you know, if, if you've never wrestled in your life and you take an MMA fight against somebody that's wrestled for one month, they're going to take you down like butter and then you're done for. Really? Yes, sir. <laughs> I haven't I haven't wrestled one more. <laughs> and when I, I I know I wrestle with somebody like Brody or somebody like that who, you know, anybody who's wrestling, yeah. they take me down pretty well. Yeah. So that makes sense. I, I can attest to that. I can also attest to rolling with Lance over here. He's pretty good at the jujitsu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd say that's. Have fair. you guys picked up on that? Yeah. Oh, I, most definitely. <laughs> most that's, definitely. That's what I hear. <laughs> he's my jiu-jitsu buddy that's why i had no problem coming over to scott's to be with him <laughs> alex when are you going to come over and train with us at scott's uh i, <laughs> I don't know um it, i actually live like right around the corner do you really yes sir yeah I, I, yeah i live right off taylorsville road awesome. um should come check it out sometime it's a cool place what i i think's neat about scott's is is and once again, that is Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky, is we just do Jiu-Jitsu. Is that kind of rare? Yeah. I, I think MMA is the uh, selling thing now at all the Jiu-Jitsu schools. I can't think of another one that only does Jiu-Jitsu. I can't think of a single one. It doesn't seem to be the case, really. I, I, I don't know of any. There may be some. I'm not familiar with it. I, I, had, I did a podcast with Scott a couple weeks ago and asked him, why just Jiu-Jitsu? And he said, I don't know. That's just for... Oh, all I've ever done yeah. ever since he opened his school is just jujitsu. I think Derby City is only jujitsu now, aren't they? No, they, they do boxing. Yeah, they still. They do boxing as well. I know. Okay. But they're primarily. But I don't go there. I've never been there. So I don't know. It's cool. Louisville's got a pretty good scene with everything in, in the world of combat sports. It seems to certainly be thriving. Yes, absolutely. Uh, not only in the city of Louisville, but all across the state. Uh, you know, some of the, the grappling. I didn't see it, but um, Gordon Ryan and... Uh, Joe Bays. Joe Bays. How'd that yeah. go? Uh, it hasn't happened yet. Is that next today? Week. It's ne- next week. Next oh, weekend. I thought it was yep. today. Same okay. day as the fight. It's yep. at like 3 p.m. Who did Jesse Ray Childry get it to go against recently? Uh, he went against Gordon. That's Yeah, he yeah. went against Gordon. He lost to Gordon, obviously. Gordon's probably the Everyone best. Everyone does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like... 21-year-old phenom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's like the best in the world right now. If if not the absolute best, you know, maybe number two. Still pulling for Joe Bays though. Oh yeah, I hope Joe, I hope Joe thrashes him. But it's just so cool. We've got guys that are, and there's a couple guys in Kentucky, three or four that are on the biggest scenes in the world of jujitsu now. And uh, it's you know, it's you would never think that if. If you weren't aware of the sport and the state and what we've got going on, but we've got some of the best guys in the whole world. Do you guys follow the sport of jujitsu like that? Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All three of you do. Okay. Yes, sir. Any other sports you follow Muay Thai like that? 
I, I do. Yeah. Oh. Do you? Okay. Yes, sir. Tell, tell us, so how do you follow Muay Thai? Um, my thing, and this is even with my fighting career, is uh, I'm collecting data. Uh, I want to be a coach one day, so I follow some of the greats uh, right now. Are we good? Okay. Okay. Um, right now, the main guy that I'm studying is uh, Giorgio Petrosian. Uh, they nicknamed the Doctor. And um, what I like about this is when you can to when you can watch guys fight and recognize the techniques and setups that they're using, it shows that you have a true grasp and understanding of what it is that you're trying to do. And then in turn, in my training, I go out and I try to apply those techniques. The same way um, we could watch Scott do a triangle setup. And then we can watch a Gordon Ryan match and watch him go through the progression of that setup. It's the same way I watch Giorgio Petrosian take away a guy's jab because he knows that's his primary weapon. You know, so it's it's a beautiful martial arts in in totality. They're just beautiful. You know. Now, as quick as I said, Gracie Jiu Jitsu of Kentucky only does Jiu Jitsu. Lance, we're now doing what? Do we have uh, a wrestling? A uh, pretty credible wrestling guy helping us out. Oh yeah, we have <laughs> Sash, uh, the Greco-Roman <laughs> wrestling uh, so, so Olympic maybe, hopeful. Maybe that kills my entire previous point. I don't know. Well, he's, he's just going to be with some stand-up, covering the stand-up takedowns. Take yep, which is awesome. I mean, it's it's great to have a high-level guy like that to work with you and give you pointers. Oxmoor Chrysler, Dodge Jeep, and Ram Buzzline. We actually have a caller on the line. There's not many callers that can call in to the weekend sports buzz. They don't have to say their name, but I immediately know who it is. We're joined on the Buzzline now by our man, Todd Neal. How are you this morning? Oh, sad. Uh, Todd. <laughs> hey, good morning, guys. How y'all doing? What's up, Todd? Right, how's it going, Mr. Neal? Mr. Neal, come on, man. That's my dad. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, wanted to call in and. Wish you all three of you guys good luck this weekend. Um, Lance, I'm a little disappointed in you. <laughs> wow. Um, you did, yeah, you didn't mention one of your sponsors. One of your, you know, greatest supporters, your mother. My mom. I knew that was coming. <laughs> I love you, mom. I mean, you she know, is my number one sponsor. Jeez, you just, you just really screwed that up. So, <laughs> you're probably disowned by now. Leave it to Mr. Neal. Oh, she's going to be so pumped you said that. Nah. But anyway, I just want to tell you guys, all, all y'all are very deserving of where you're at. Uh, I sincerely hope y'all get the best of success, you know, in the upcoming years. Y'all got great futures ahead. Uh, you know, uh, Alex, he's a little wild, and, you know, he, he loves Facebook a lot. <laughs> so, uh I'm not so sure about him. He's only saying that because he's a conservative. Todd, Todd, we we got to wrap things up here. I really appreciate your call. Thanks, Todd. Uh, Right up against it. Todd, thank you so much. Call in anytime. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you, sir. Once again, that was Todd Neal, the acting commissioner for the state of Kentucky for MMA and boxing and all (laughs) things combat. We appreciate everybody tuning in. James, Lance, Alex, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, sir. It was a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you for Everybody have us. a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next Sunday from 9 to 11. Go Cats. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I need them.